Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, I'm a little bit disappointed right now because I recorded a full hour-long podcast, and the audio was terrible. I'm not really sure what was wrong with the mic or the board or my laptop, but basically, I'm now sitting outside my gate to get on an airplane about an hour before boarding, and I'm going to record this whole thing again, and it's not going to get posted until later than I wanted it to tonight. Um, of course, podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. If you guys don't know what Drift is, you definitely should check it out. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't actually use it like I'd wanted to. Um, I said yesterday and I said the day before that I was going to do everything I could to actually check out Drift Car Sharing, but I just didn't have time to clean my car out and drop it off at the lot because everything's super hectic trying to get out of town and uh, I'm disappointed, and I'm spending money on parking instead of making money parking at the Drift car sharing lot. Uh, if you guys want more information, you can check out drivedrift.com. It's a great, great deal. Uh, if you're trying to rent a car, it's actually cheaper to rent a car through them too. There's no under 25 fee. All the cars are insured by Allstate. It's a great deal. You guys should definitely check it out. Um, okay. This is kind of weird, running back the exact same podcast I just did. Uh, this is probably going to be a little bit shorter one because I'm not going to have time to get through everything and then also edit this. But uh, let's just dig in. Um, you guys know that I was going to be heading back to Montana last night to go watch some football, but there was a bit of a change of plans, which I hinted at a couple days ago, and that was that Buffs head coach, Mel Tucker, invited a few of us, a few reporters, out to lunch today during the bye week, which is a pretty cool thing of him to do. Uh, got to spend an hour and a half just hanging out with Mel, hanging out with a couple of the other reporters, and uh, it was a good time. Mel's a good guy. I don't think that's surprising anybody. Um, apparently, Mel also got uh, refreshments is what Danny Sanchez, the head coach of the women's soccer team at the University of Colorado, said uh, for Danny and the soccer team and maybe the soccer staff because of their uh, invitation to the NCAA tournament, which is this weekend. And you guys who are lucky enough to be in Boulder should definitely check that out Saturday. It's at noon. They'll take on Northern Colorado. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool that they made it. They just snuck in, and now that they're in, since they're like a real Pac-12 soccer team, they have a chance to make a run. Uh, the, their schedule was filled with teams that are going to be a lot tougher to play than the teams that they'll take on in this tournament, and uh, that that includes Northern Colorado. So definitely get out there, check that out. Buffs play uh, San Diego in basketball that night, I think at 8 o'clock. Perfect day to head up to Boulder. No football going on. You're not missing anything. See what see what else Buffs Athletics has going on. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit frustrated right now. I think the worst part is that I uh, haven't had coffee in too long now. And I just like, I poured all of my energy into the first show. And so I'm going to have to work to keep this one uh, fast pace and have some jokes. I'm, I can't be like reusing jokes in the last show. It won't sound right. Um... Okay, let's dig into it. So I was up in Boulder this morning. Um, wasn't just up there to go to lunch, but also to talk to Mel in a professional on-the-record setting, as well as uh, Davion Taylor about his invitation to the Senior Bowl. Uh, let's start with Davion. That was kind of a fun conversation. We, we talked a lot about him yesterday, and we really don't need to dig in too deep. Basically, he said about the same things that I said about him on the podcast yesterday, uh, that he feels like 
I mean, first of all, he said he feels like he's a hybrid player. That's what he is. If you ask him, are you safety? Are you linebacker? He says, I'm a hybrid. If you had to pick one, outside linebacker. And I think I, I, I agree with that. That's what I said yesterday. That's where I feel like he, he fits best. His skills are put to the best use. Um, hearing the story of how he's kind of become the outside linebacker is interesting. And I'm going to write that up with all the details later on. But basically playing the star position which is that hybrid cornerback safety outside linebacker spot um Davion's asked to do a lot of different things the way that it's set up last year he was uh he was working with outside linebackers most of his responsibilities line best with what an outside linebacker would do this year things changed in Mel Tucker's system uh, a lot more coverage responsibilities and so he started working with the safeties he says that even though he's been working with the safeties, he still feels like he's an outside linebacker. But now that he's going to, you know, he's practicing with the safeties, he's running through drills with the safeties, he's going to meetings with the safeties, he's spending all of his time with the safeties thinking like a safety, he now feels like he's a more complete outside linebacker. He, you know, he, he spent some time honing in the skills of an outside linebacker and then getting a chance to learn a whole different thing just helped him improve some of the fringe outside linebacker tools, uh, you know, being better in coverage. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, his strengths and weaknesses in coverage. I've referenced the conversation I had with him during fall camp a, a lot on this podcast. And, you know, the key takeaway was the problem for him was that he had the speed to catch up to any receiver. It's just whether he had the quickness to stick with those, you know, five foot eight, hundred and sixty pound slot receivers who get in and out of breaks before he could get his six foot two, two hundred and twenty pound frame moving. And uh, his solution at the time was to jam him, to get up on the receiver, beat him up, not let him get off the line of scrimmage, and that's how he won those battles. That's starting to change as he's been able to spend more time working on his coverage skills. Now he is reading the hips. He's understanding the patterns. He's understanding the situations. He's he, he's playing the chess match um, as well as having those reactions skills that come from seeing how these routes are run. What does it look like when this receiver is breaking out to the left? What can you see on film that signifies that that's what's going to happen? And... For, for a smart guy like Davion, those little hints can really help him. Uh, he's, he said he's learned a lot. It's, it's obvious when you watch him play. Uh, these last couple games, he's been everywhere. He's been good in coverage. They've actually been playing him more in that money spot, that linebacker spot, instead of that outside spot, playing him inside, uh, spending more time on tight ends and running backs, less times on slot receivers. I think that that has really helped him, as well as just putting him in the middle of that defense. He's making plays. He has the speed to get to the sideline. You, you think back to that screen pass that he blew up against Stanford for a loss of yards. He was everywhere in that game. He looks good. He's playing the best football I think I've ever seen him play. And it, it it's because he's starting to play more cerebrally because now he has all those safety skills as well as the linebacker skills. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who continues to improve at the next level where maybe right now he doesn't quite get the recognition he deserves inside the Pac-12, but in the NFL, he might be exactly what you need. You know, you look at teams like the Chiefs, where everything's built off of speed. They know that the way defenses are set up, you know, usually your cornerbacks are pretty diverse. You want a big, strong guy who can jam receivers at the line of scrimmage. You want a speedy guy who can stick with anybody. You want some, some guys who are kind of somewhere in between. And those diverse corners fit well against really good football team or balanced football teams. What teams like the chiefs have done is just put speed everywhere. So Tyree kill their number one receiver, their fastest receiver. You've got to put your fastest cornerback on him. Maybe you have somebody you can match up. You probably don't. Um, but then where they really get the matchups is with, you know, their number two receivers, Sammy Watkins, who's another speed speedster. Like that's what he is as a receiver. Your second fastest cornerback isn't going to be able to keep up with him. And then you have Mecole Hardman. You have that like Robinson guy behind him. They just have so much speed that you, most teams don't have those three speed cornerbacks. And you've seen that throughout rosters. That's one example of where NFL teams now need more speed at cornerback than they've ever needed before. Same thing's happening at linebacker, at safety. And that's where Davion Taylor could really fit where this league 
is evolving to and we talked about a lot of this yesterday and having done two podcasts talking about this before i'm forgetting which thoughts were new to the last podcast the one that was supposed to get posted and which ones are from yesterday but you know he he really does have that fit as an outside linebacker as a 4-3 outside linebacker where he could he, he could be a he could be a key piece of a very good defense if things pan out again you have to see it on the field he's a little bit undersized um he makes up for it with the speed, you'd think. You got to see it. At the very least, him being such a cerebral player, uh, somebody who you know is going to understand his responsibilities and then make good decisions on the field, follow through with those responsibilities, that's that's all it takes. That combined with the athleticism is going to make him a very good special teams player at the very least. Um, that was more than I wanted to talk about going that way. But uh also got to hear from him about uh, his Senior Bowl invite, the – what what that process is even like um when i asked him about the senior bowl his face just lit up he's obviously really excited you know there's all the we're focused on the next game we're focused on washington that kind of stuff and he said the same thing where it's like it's not really time to be thinking about how do i become faster for the combine all that kind of stuff but he says that when he did get that invite it it kind of challenged him. It was like, yeah, I'm getting recognized. I'm this guy. And so he went out and practiced and felt like he improved. Like that little bump to his confidence really helped him out. It looked like it on the field, to be honest. But I guess the way that works is uh, Davion was in the weight room. He was just working out when somebody told him he had to go up and uh, to Mel's office and because Mel had something he wanted to talk to him about. So he goes up there. Um, Mel's in his office. Uh, Lance Lynn, the associate AD for football, I think is his title, is also up there. And uh, they give him the letter that the Senior Bowl sent that says, hey, congrats. We we like what you're doing. We want you to come to the Senior Bowl where you can get scouted by all these NFL scouts. Uh, pretty cool. He was excited. He actually didn't realize he had to accept the invitation until a couple days later when he saw, like, the Senior Bowl tweet out the graphics, like, uh, inv- in- Senior Bowl invite accepted from this guy, whoever it is. He's like, well, wait, how do I how do I accept an invite to the Senior Bowl? And had to Google it and figure it out. Uh, he did accept the invite, by the way, so he's going to be headed out to Mobile, Alabama after the season. And that's a huge step in the process to making it to the NFL. You know, Mel Kuyper's high on him. He has him ranked as one of the best safeties in the country. Uh, which is interesting because we don't really know what position he'll fit at. It kind of depends on what uh, NFL teams see in him, and it could vary based on his destination. Uh, definitely exciting time for Davion, and uh, hopefully for me too. I I, th- I think I've complained about this before, but uh, Ryan and Zach and Brandon and Andre go out to Mobile for the Senior Bowl every year. I'm not really sure if I'm going to get a Senior Bowl invite, but... Uh, there's a chance. There's a chance that I'll be headed out there with Davion. Uh, outside of Davion, I'm not really sure who else could get an invite. You know, Steven Montez was on the preseason watch list. I don't think it's likely. I, I guess he already accepted his invitation to the Aloha Bowl, which is like a similar type deal uh, out in Hawaii, <laughs> if you couldn't tell by the name. But uh, he was on the preseason watch list. Delrick Abrams, the cornerback, was also on the watch list. <sighs> I, I doubt that he gets an invite if i if i were to bet i would say he doesn't but at the same time the the way the season has played out with so many young cornerbacks being asked to play opposite him this entire year he really hasn't been targeted much and so the question will be how much do the senior bowl scouts value him kind of just being like a lockdown guy maybe not because he's in perfect coverage every time but because there's almost always a better option there's almost always a better place to go with the ball whether it's across the middle past the linebackers who've struggled in coverage this year uh, at whatever young guy is starting across from him, whether it's Makai Blackman or Chris Miller, or KJ Trujillo or Tariq Luckett, you know, there've always been, there've always been better matchups on the field. And so Delrick really hasn't had that many opportunities to make plays or mistakes. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Oh, I do want to note, uh, I did talk to Davion about Ralphie, uh, he'd never seen a Buffalo before the first time he ran onto the field behind her at a uh, Folsom field and said it was really cool. Said it was like, 
he was hyped about that too. Again, we were talking about him getting invited to the senior bowl before that. So the energy was pretty high, but, uh, he was excited about that. He was really disappointed, um, that Ralphie five is retiring, that she won't be making a run with the seniors for their last game next Saturday against Washington. Um, he said, you know, like, I wish that I had known that, that that Arizona run was going to be her last run. The last time I got to run out onto the field behind Ralphie, because I really would have taken it in, um, feel for the seniors definitely who don't get to run behind Ralphie in their last game at Folsom. Uh, I'm going to miss her too. Um, also talked to Mel today and he had some interesting things to say in his press conference. Uh, most of, most of his media availability was spent talking about recruiting the value of recruiting, uh, and kind of how that's part of what this week is about. You know, for me, this week is, go cover the team for a few days, get a weekend off, head back home, see my family, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, for him, for football, it's uh, work out the young guys early in the week. Uh, actually, first it's give everybody just a little bit more rest, a little more recovery time, and then it's work out the young guys, get them developed, uh, see if they can fit more reps in than they can in the typical week. Do that uh, the first couple days, then... Uh, get a jump on the game planning against Washington the next couple of days. Uh, and, and then again, take a few more days off. And that's when the coaching staff s starts to spread out across the country and do some recruiting. Um, a couple interesting notes. It sounds like, you know, Darren Cheverini was tweeting today that he is in Texas. He was actually trying the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I haven't heard a review I'm a big fan, by the way, uh, much better than Chick-fil-A. Also feels like it's going to give me a heart attack every time I eat it, which is pretty often. But Chev uh, was in Texas. It sounds like there might be some more guys going to Texas. And that's interesting for a couple reasons. First of all, obviously, I think, I think Brendan Lewis, the quarterback, is still the number two rated prospect in the Buffs 2020 class. So, again, he's in Texas. It's not a surprise that he's a guy that they would want to go see, watch him play, talk to him, make sure everything's going well. Um, show him you love him. You know, that, that, that relationship's something that's going to be very important over the next few years, obviously. And so this is an opportunity to keep building it. But there's another guy in Texas who, again, this is speculation, but I think could be part of the reason there is this emphasis on the bye week uh, to to head down south to Texas. Um, and and that's Christian Gonzalez, the safety who's committed to Purdue. Uh, he's from the Colony, which is, again, the dopest name for a high school. Uh, same place Keith Miller III is from, the receiver who's committed to Colorado in the 2020 class. It's a... Uh, here's the situation. I really thought that Christian Gonzalez was going to be the third signee after the Stanford game. Uh, Monday night, Chev was tweeting out stuff like, oh, this one's worth waiting for, like the eyes emojis, the fire emojis. A, 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 a bunch of these other guys are doing the same thing from inside the program, the recruits for next year. I think a lot of signs really pointing to that being Christian. Um, I had people inside the program tell me it was Christian. I had people outside the program tell me it was Christian. Um, but then nothing happened Monday night. Tuesday, nothing from Christian. Wednesday, nothing from Christian. And I, I turned on his Twitter notification, so when it does happen, I will actually see it. But he's actually been really, really quiet. Um, now we're through Thursday, and there's still no word that he is decommitting from Purdue and coming to Colorado. And I know I am starting to get concerned, like, what's happening? Obviously, Purdue's making their push. They're saying, no, really, stay here. I know you like Colorado. There's a reason you chose us, though. And uh, I think that this could be a bit of a recruiting battle with these these Buffs coaches heading down to Texas to try to talk to them, see if they can seal the deal, um, close this out, and make him a part of this 2020 recruiting class that's really shaping up to be one of the best in Colorado history. I think Christian would come in. He, he'd be one of the top recruits. He'd, he'd definitely be helping your recruiting average. I don't know the exact numbers, but... Uh, He's a guy who could get playing time next year. He's a little a little thin, but the way this secondary kind of shakes out, I think there could be a spot for him. And that's something I want to talk about more in the second segment, uh, kind of what the secondary, what this whole defense really looks like. 
for 2020. We've seen a lot of these young guys play now, and with it being a bye week, we kind of have a chance to look to the future as much as the coaches and players hate that. Um, I think that that's pretty much everything. <sighs> Definitely disappointed in the whole Christian Gonzalez thing. I don't know if that's why there's this Texas push. It could just be because there are a lot of really good high school football players in Texas. Um, could just be Brendan. Could not be Brendan at all. There you go. That's uh, that, Those are my takes, though. That's kind of my best guess. Uh, not much else coming from Mel today. Um, there's a lot of recruiting talk, talking about the importance of it, um, how that's really how you change the program in Boulder. Okay, uh, before we dig into this 2020 defense, I do want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery and more importantly, the Colorado Core beer, which is an incredible beer. Uh, I haven't talked about much recently, but uh, you know, around, around DNVR, we call it the uh, Champagne of Beers, which I'm pretty sure we definitely stole from Miller, but I think that I was told once like on podcasts there are no rules and so we get to kind of just roll with that. You know, it is kind of like a very champagne-y, bubbly. It's almost like a cidery thing. You know, you guys have probably tried the Strawberry Sky by now. If not, you really <laughs> got to get on that. But the, the way the Strawberry Sky works is it's like a super subtle strawberry on top of the beer. There's a lot of apple in that Colorado core, and it's really good. It's not necessarily a beer that I could drink a lot of, like Saturday when I'm pre-gaming really hard and then sneaking beer into the stadium for that football game. Uh, Colorado core will not be that beer. It's going to be the beer where it's like, uh, it's it's kind of getting like late in the night or even like afternoon. I feel like it's a summer. It's like a warm day. That's that's when you just want one or two Colorado cores. They're almost like a dessert type of beer, maybe like a deer, beer with dinner. I don't know. It's good. Check it out. Uh, I'm definitely on Saturday getting some Breckenridge beers. I still haven't used the beer locator on the website to figure out which Breckenridge beers are available in Missoula. I know there are some, though. Uh, and hopefully you guys check them out, too. I'm excited to show all my friends the best beers on the planet. And uh, you guys should be doing the same thing because they're not only good beer, they're good people. They've been great partners. They've done a lot of awesome things for us in the past. They're going to continue to do awesome things for DMVR in the future. Um, like, give us free beer for our tailgates. Um, so there you go. That's uh, that's Breckenridge Brewery in the Colorado core. The best place to buy those is at Total Beverage, which has locations in uh, Thornton and Westminster, Seriously, you gotta you gotta get in there if you haven't yet. It's just like this massive, massive warehouse filled with so many different types of alcohol and mixers and snacks and like I don't even know what to call like different little shot glasses and like toys. I, I don't I don't even understand the names. Also, all sorts of different Breckenridge beers. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, definitely get up there. They have great prices, uh, which are even better if you spend $75 and use the code BSN2019 because you can get 30% off. Plus, they'll ship it straight to you. Like you, you don't have to like actually drive up there. If you're anywhere in the Denver metro area, they'll deliver it to you. You just have to like pick the time frame you want dropped off. Uh, again, great people, great products, great service check them out because uh that's the cheapest place to to get your alcohol okay um back to football because uh that's what we're here for i want to talk about the 2020 buffs defense you know in 29 or 2019 there were there were some ups and some downs you know it seemed like every week we were saying Maybe we weren't saying, but the Buffs coaching staff, whether it's Mel Tucker, whether it's de defensive coordinator Tyson Summers, even a lot of the guys who are on the field, Mikhail Onu said this repeatedly. And what they said was, you know, if you look at if you look at the score, it looks like we played really poorly. What happened is we played really well for 90, 95% of the game, but that other little slice is what killed us. We just made mistakes on those plays, gave up big plays, gave up long touchdowns, and that kind of doomed us in that game and that's what this whole season has been it's been a lot of solid defense and then big mistakes that mean that you're giving up a whole bunch of points you know this week was the first time in 15 games that Colorado scored or gave up fewer than 30 points that's just absurd 
to be giving up 30 points a game. And when you're in it, you're just so used to it. Maybe it's because I watch Pac-12 football all the time, but it's just 30 points, 30 points. That's just what happens. You don't even realize that they haven't kept anybody in the 20s. And, you know, against Stanford, they kept him to 13, which is a huge, huge step, obviously. Um, and it's because they played really good, consistent defense. There were a couple big plays they gave up, but for the most part, everybody did their job, and they did it consistently, and they got stops when they needed stops. They got off the field on third down. That was a really good defensive performance, and that's the kind of thing that we wanted to see earlier in the season, back when the Buffs' bowl hopes were a little bit a little bit more reasonable. You know, they still have the path, Washington and Utah. Both games, they're going to be tough to win, particularly that Utah game. Um, but a few weeks ago, they, they, they play the same defense throughout the season. They probably already have a bowl game locked up. Uh, it took a while to get there. Maybe it was a fluke. Who knows? Um, but they're moving in the right direction. And I think that Tyson Summers is really moving in the right direction as well as a play caller. I think he's understanding how to use the different pieces. Hopefully the learning that part won't take quite as long next year. You know, we've seen Davion Taylor, for example, spend more time inside at the money spot, that, that inside linebacker spot instead of outside linebacker. And we've seen that really impact how Colorado is able to cover the middle of the field. I mean, they're actually covering the middle of the field, which is not what was happening for most of the season. I think that there's there's always that learning process, trying to figure out what you have for personnel. But also on the other side, all these guys trying to figure out how to do their job, what exactly their job is, and that makes it tough to move guys around. You know, Mark Perry, the freshman, he uh, he started the season playing mostly safety and then moved to the star. It's hard to do that in a defense that you don't know. You know, any freshman isn't going to come in knowing the defense. But uh, even even Mikhail Onu, I think at one point I, I asked him, "Are you are, do you want to try the star? Do you want to try the money? And he said, at this point, I just need to keep learning how to be a free safety in this defense. Another bad example because he's also in his first year. But but as we move forward, a lot of these guys will have some experience in this scheme. And and that makes it a lot easier to change what they're supposed to do on the fly because they'll, you know, have something to build off of. Um, I think that that's going to be huge. I think that, first of all, this defense is going to take a step forward next year because just schematically, just in terms of knowledge, everybody understands what they're doing a little bit better, whether it's the cornerbacks, whether it's the pass rushers, whether it's uh, Tyson Summers himself in the way that he calls this defense. And that's the biggest reason I think that there will be a step forward. But also when you look at this defense and who's coming back next year, it's it's easy to get excited. Um, uh, let's just start up front. You know, Mustafa Johnson, a guy we thought was going to leave for the draft, He's coming back. I, I, I mean, this isn't me breaking news again, speculation. This is what I see. I, I doubt that he's going to go to the draft. I doubt that he's going to declare early just because he hasn't put up the numbers that any of us expected him to put up this year. Uh, so, you, so you're going to have him at defensive end. You're going to have Jalen Sammy, who's looked very good, in my opinion, as a redshirt freshman. Um, a guy who's living up to the hype. He was a pretty hyped up guy. He's a big guy. He in a few years, is going to be a guy who's going to be in the NFL conversation. Uh, he'll be back with more experience. Terrence Lang, redshirt sophomore defensive end, he will also be back. So you have your three guys up front, your starters all back. And then you bring in Antonio Alfano. And, you know, you have to throw in the disclaimer. Don't know whether he's going to get the waiver approved by the NCAA. Everything I've heard from around the program is that they expect him to uh, which makes sense, given his circumstances. It, it would make sense for him to be granted the waiver so he can play in 2019 or 2020. Uh, the other question is whether uh, he's all there mentally. You know, he was one of the top re recruits in the entire country. At one point, the number one recruit in the entire country goes to Alabama and then just kind of disappears. Um, at Colorado, does he does he have the same struggles, or does has he kind of figured out the mental aspect? For a guy like him, it's tough to make the transition from being the best guy in the field every down to uh, to being asked to compete with Alabama offensive linemen. Um, at Colorado, again, maybe not Alabama offensive linemen, but definitely uh, still a challenge. And hopefully, hopefully, his mind's in the right spot to to. To, to play, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and if he does play, honestly, if, if, if he didn't go to a single practice and stepped on the field, 
he could be the best defensive lineman Colorado has. Uh, Mustafa still probably edges him out, but just the tools that he has, the size, the athleticism, he should be the star of this Buffs defense day one. And that's exciting because you're bringing back everybody else in this defensive line rotation. You know, Janaz Jordan, the sophomores look good. Austin Williams, the freshmen look good. Naeem Rodman, another freshman look good. Uh, Jeremiah Doss, I think, actually has looked pretty good as a sophomore as well. You know, they want to rotate these guys. They want to go six deep, seven deep, maybe even nine deep. And, and they're going to have enough guys to do that without too much of a drop-off. Obviously, there will always be a drop-off between a guy, like five-star, like Antonio Alfano, Mustafa Johnson, who's head of the NFL, and, like, you know, their backups. But you're still going to have Pac-12 players all the way through, and that's really going to be the strength of the team. I think what makes me so excited is that you look at how this is structured. You have that pass rush up front, at least in theory. Again, this is all projection. And then behind them, you have a, a young group of corners, but a group of corners who I've been really impressed with. You know, KJ Trujillo, breakout star. He's going to the NFL. Sure, that's a few years away. Sure, he has flaws. He's a little guy. He might struggle tackling, but he's going to make a lot of plays for the Buffs over the next few years. Tariq Luckett also has looked good. Dylan Thomas has also looked good. Those are kind of their three guys at this point. They're all young guys. And then you remember that they're bringing back Makai Blackman. They're bringing back Chris Miller, who are above those those three on the depth chart. You lose Delrick Abrams, which definitely hurts, but there's just so much young talent, raw talent, potential that... I trust Mel Tucker as a longtime defensive backs coach to develop. When you have that combination of pass rush up front and uh, coverage ability at the back end, you have to feel good. Like that's a great combination, and it really, it really makes it a lot easier to be comfortable with the inside linebackers you have on the roster. You know, Nate Landman, another guy I think is probably coming back. Before the season, I was said he might be a second, third round draft pick. He struggled in the switch to new scheme. It's a scheme that asks him to do a lot of things that I don't think he would admit he's uncomfortable with, but a lot of things that aren't his strengths. You know, less less emphasis on playing the run. You know, he's out there on third downs now, and they're asking him to cover some ground on third downs. That's the way the scheme works. Next to him, you have Akil Jones, another tackle first guy. Jonathan Van Deest, another tackle first guy. You know, Josh Allen... A, a guy who I'm surprised we haven't seen more of, to be honest. I thought that he could factor in immediately for sure. Um, haven't seen much. I, I think he has a little bit better cover skills. At least he projects because of his athleticism to be a little bit better in coverage. But, again, we just haven't seen it. Marvin Ham, all the way down behind all of those guys, the freshman, I think he could be the guy. I think that he could fit well next to one of those tacklers. I think that he has the athleticism to run around, make some plays. But again, we just haven't seen it. And that's, again, projection. The good news is when you have the coverage in the back, the pass rush in front, it's going to be tough to throw on your football team. That makes it more of the linebacker's job to eliminate the run game. Of course, they have to be able to do something. They have to be able to lock up the middle of the field just a little bit. But... uh I, I like the way that this defense is going to be built. Um, while I have questions at inside linebacker, the questions aren't nearly as big. I guess, first of all, the outside linebackers, where Alex Changham's look good, but again, he's graduating. One, I, I mean, really the only starter, uh, I guess there are a few. Davion Taylor, obviously, uh, graduating. Mikhail Onu, we're going to get to safeties in a minute, but uh, also graduating. It's going to really hurt losing Changham. Um because of your other outside linebacker spot, Carson Wells, a little bit disappointing this year. Uh, he's had the concussion. He's had all these other things going on. Like, there are reasons for what's happened to him. It's not like this is him just totally disappointing. Um, again, he's only a sophomore. He's a guy who could just take another year to make that leap. And I th he has the tools to do it. He's one of the fastest guys on the team as a linebacker. You know, he's a pass rusher. You just need to keep refining those skills, having this bigger, better offensive line, uh, drawing more double teams, drawing more attention is going to open things up for him, which will be great. Um, not sold, though. A lot of projection. And he's your one locked-up outside linebacker spot. You look at Jamar Montgomery as a guy who has, you know, played pretty well as a junior. He'll be a senior next year. He could uh, 
he, he's got to be the favorite for that other outside linebacker job. It's tough outside of that, though. Um, definitely room for some true freshmen to step into that rotation next season, which, you know, it'd be exciting for sure. Uh, love watching the young guys play, but that's one of the big holes. The other, other flaw is at free safety. Uh, where Mikhail Onu has, I think, played very well. You know, he's made his fair share of mistakes, just like everybody else on this defense. He's given up the big plays, but safeties have a tendency to do that. He's also made up for them with a lot of turnovers. Right now you have Darian Rakestraw at strong safety coming back as a senior. Um, Mel's high on him. Mel talked a lot about him yesterday at the, no, two days ago. Or maybe it was Tyson Summers talking about him yesterday. Coaching staff is high on him. That's what I'm going to say. They say he's improving. They say he's a smart guy. He's learning his his role, and uh, they have they have faith in him to become one of the one of the guys on this defense. Um, and he's looked good. You can see it on the field as well. The other safety spot, that's the question mark, especially when you're losing Davion Taylor from the star spot. It's it's Mark Perry backing him up, the freshman who started the season at safety, got moved to star partway through which is pretty tough to do um you know he's gonna probably fill one of those roles whether it's the star whether it's the safety um we'll we'll see where the coaching staff thinks he fits if if the christian gonzalez thing comes through through he decommits from purdue he could factor in probably in the star spot as a freshman um those are some of your question marks and safety question marks they they can be neutralized by having good cornerbacks. You know, I don't know necessarily that next year the Buffs cornerbacks are going to be anything special. I think down the road they definitely will be. Um, again, they're mostly going to be sophomores next year, though. Uh, it might take a full year of playing before you feel like you got some lockdown guys. No faith in the, or no lack of faith in them long term, but short term, we'll see. Also, in this Mel Tucker defensive scheme where you're playing a lot of zone, that means that the safeties aren't so worried about which guy gets beaten man coverage and kind of making up for it. It's more about defending their own area of the field. And uh, that's, it's going to be scary seeing who, who has to step up and fill that second safety role. Um, I think that's probably enough talk about that 2020 defense it does look good it does look like it should take a step forward i trust tyson summers more in his second year i think he's learning i think that this giving up 13 points to stanford last week is huge uh the next couple of weeks will also be huge a lot of reasons to think that this defense will take a big step forward and uh i'm kind of bought in i'm kind of bought in the best part is that there's going to be so many exciting players to watch i mean you look at that defensive line I want to watch Jalen Sammy. I want to watch Mustafa Johnson. I want to watch uh, Antonio Alfano, assuming he winds up here. If Nate Landman comes back, I would want to watch him as well. All these young cornerbacks. There, there are so many exciting players on this defense, which hasn't been the case for the University of Colorado uh, in the past, really since uh, the rise season when you had the great cornerbacks. Um, progress you can definitely see where this progress will come from uh we'll dig into the offense at some point for next year but uh maybe not quite quite as exciting losing your senior quarterback losing the best receiver or one of the best receivers in the country best receiver in the pac 12 uh, yeah that's a conversation for another day defense though in in good shape going forward before we move on to your comments uh i want to tell you about denver rubber company or did I do Denver Rubber Company? No, I didn't. Okay, Denver Rubber Company. Um, started in 1972 in Denver. Again, that's why it's called the Denver Rubber Company. And uh, they are incredible local partners. If, if you need rubber for anything, big jobs, small jobs, whatever, they can help you out. They do stuff for aerospace. They do stuff for uh, pharmaceuticals, construction, all sorts of different things. You should definitely, definitely give them a thought. You know, even, even if you aren't looking for... Uh, help on a big project you aren't you aren't needing help with designing different products with different materials and all this kind of stuff you know they also if you go out to their shop they have snow plow blades which you can buy and they'll custom fit and it's a great process you know snowmobile uh tires i think is what you would call it. it's like the one big tire that goes underneath the whole thing um, most places when you go buy it they, they 
you, you use it up and then go buy another one. With Denver Rubber Company, they uh, actually make those double-sided, so you can just flip it around, and all of a sudden, it's like you have a whole new tire, maybe is the word. Um, definitely check them out. If you need something that's rubber, they probably have it. If you're looking to make a big order, contact them, and they can... They can help you out with all sorts of different things. Go to drcfirst.com slash dnvr and they'll know that we sent you, which we appreciate. Okay. Um, into the final segment. Uh, and we have a, only one comment today coming in from Michael Harrison who says, Hammer and Hank, first of all, I'm 100% down to go to the zoo, and I'll bring Starbucks. I'm all about the stars. If they don't want your free points, I'll gladly take them off your hands. Um, definitely down to go to the zoo. We need to find a time. Maybe before like one of our watch parties, we can make a trip to the zoo and then head over, make it like a whole big thing. I'll get made fun of for doing that with uh, everybody that I work with, but that's fine because uh, it'd be a good time. Also with the Starbucks thing, this has been like a weird experience re-recording this airport or re-recording this podcast, particularly in an airport, which is kind of strange um like i said the caffeine wore off and that's been something i've been toying with over the last few weeks like what happens if i don't drink coffee what happens if i drink a little bit what happens if i just pound a big one before i record the podcast which turns out to be the answer like you get a big coffee then all of a sudden everything just goes off the rails and i feel like it's a lot of fun not not a huge fan of wasting all the caffeine on an hour-long show and then realizing that it didn't work and doing another um yeah you can't have my free points. Uh, we can move on. Secondly, very sad to see Ralphie five retire. I remember my freshman year in 2012, the runners took her on a very wide turn so wide that the gold rush, the marching band's old dance line was sent scattering out of the end zone. Ralphie five was feisty and hopefully Ralphie six is going to be the same way. Yeah, I know that's like the weird thing talking about, uh, or talking with, uh, John Graves, the, the manager of the Ralphie program at CU, when when they're looking for Ralphies and they're recruiting Ralphies that are only like one, you don't really know what you're going to get out of the Ralphie. You don't know how big it's going to be. All those Buffaloes are pretty much the same. Some of them have different personalities. I I don't know. I I would obviously love to have another big, fast, kind of mean Ralphie. Uh, I think it makes a lot more fun. Honestly, like as much as I know it would be horrible if Ralphie got loose the the fact that that's a possibility just makes the whole thing even better you know like like that's part of the entertainment is like oh oh goodness are they going to actually hold on all the way around um and again early ralphie ralphie five her first run got loose uh it's pretty crazy i, I want big and fast i think it's more intimidating obviously uh i did talk about davion being disappointed again these podcasts run together because i just record the same podcast and it the, the audio didn't work um but yeah seniors are disappointed they don't get to run behind ralphie uh it's it's sad luckily ralphie's in great health she's actually getting faster and bigger and has like a long life in front of her but uh it's gonna be really exciting you know the other thing that john graves was saying in that press conference was that he's as as much as it's sad to see ralphie five go and you know he told a bunch of stories you know he goes he drives his truck out there to her pasture every day to help her out and every time ralphie comes running up to the truck and is excited and greets him and as much as it's sad that she doesn't get to run anymore because that's like you know what they did that was the whole point of the whole thing he is excited to have a new ralphie a new young ralphie to kind of like build the bond with i published a story on this today by the way you should definitely check that out um there's a whole bunch of weird details like the city of boulder giving street sweeper brushes to the Ralphie program because she likes to rub up on them and like she likes to run into the big wide traffic cones not like the little skinny ones but like the big ones I don't know it's fun stuff it's sad to see her go it's going to be fun to see this new Ralphie young Ralphie we were actually having the discussion in the office a couple days ago like I think it was Ryan who said they should just have a, a baby buffalo at every Buffs game and that's actually a really good point because he was pulling up the pictures and we spent a long time on this but they are adorable I don't know. It's going to be exciting. Ralphie 6 is pretty cool that that's on the way. Hopefully they have Ralphie ready to go in time for uh, the start of next season. No guarantees. I don't know. It's kind of like it's 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 like Davion said though. Like it's just kind of sad that we didn't know that that was her last run when it happened. Uh, 
definitely need to swing by. She'll be at her pen, her last ever public appearance before the Washington game, so that everybody can go say goodbye to Ralphie Five. Um, lastly, in regards to Mel's recruiting, does getting a guy like Clayton cascade to other recruits? If you have more blue chip guys on your class, does it actually draw more attention from kids around the country, or is that effect exaggerated and it's more based on the individual and what they think of Boulder? Momentum in recruiting is everything. Uh, Mel has talked about this a lot. The more guys you get, uh, the easier it is to get even more on top of them. Uh, very obviously happening. You know, you sign Antonio Alfano last week, the transfer from Alabama, the number one recruit in the 2019 class. You get him on board, everybody wants to follow him. Everybody wants to follow talent. You know, the only reason... Colorado can't recruit. The only reason they've struggled recruiting for the last 20 years is because they haven't been winning football games. They have everything else up there in Boulder. They have the facilities. They have like the buy-in from the community. Obviously, Boulder's a really cool place. Colorado's a really cool place. It's maybe not the easiest to get to. You know, so many of the so many of the recruiting targets come from Texas, California, and you know, if if, if you grow up in LA, it's a lot easier for your family to come see games when you're playing at US, USC, UCLA, somewhere in Southern California. So there is that little knock. It is a little bit tougher to recruit local guys. Um, but even then, we've seen a lot of big names come out of Colorado. I mean, you look at the running backs alone. Uh, Phil Lindsay goes through CU. Christian McCaffrey, obviously. Uh, Max Borgi, who's tearing things up at Washington State, is also from Colorado. He committed to CU and uh, eventually decommitted and went up to Washington State, where he is one of the best backs in the Pac-12. Um the the only real knock is that uh, is that they aren't winning football games. When recruits see other big name recruits signing, that makes you think you're going to start winning football games. You know that you're starting to get the talent back, and that makes it a lot easier to buy in. Um, momentum is huge. We saw that play out with the win over Stanford. With uh, who signed right after? You you get uh, the running back Ashad Clayton right away. You get uh oh I'm spacing who's who's the other one, um oh well we'll move on but yeah like Christian Gonzalez like I said really thought that he was going to come through Monday night the same day as those other guys there were the rumors that there were going to be three it's concerning that he didn't sign uh I I do think that that's probably a big reason why Colorado is recruiting Texas so hard during this bye week. I think they want to go down there and talk to him and kind of close the deal, get him to decommit from Purdue, come to Colorado. Um, Every day that passes, it's more concerning that he hasn't flipped that commitment. But that momentum is huge. Um, Oh, great stuff as always, Hank. I'll see you at the zoo. (laughs) Sounds good. Uh, I think that that's all I have for you guys today. This was supposed to be a short one because the last one got the audio all messed up, and so I had to do it at the airport, which is weird. But uh, it was not short. Um, while I'm gone, you guys should definitely be checking out the soccer game on Saturday at noon. Uh, Taylor Korniak and J.J. Tompkins, who you guys remember from coming on the pod, they did the full hour talking about all sorts of different stuff most of it not related to soccer they are leading this colorado buffaloes soccer team to the ncaa tournament they take on northern colorado go check that out for sure and uh after that stick around boulder and at eight o'clock the men's basketball team will play san diego a massive non-conference game you know san diego isn't one of those brand name schools but they've beaten colorado twice in a row they were a tournament team last year uh that's gonna be a challenge uh, we're going to learn a lot more about the Colorado Buffaloes in that game than we did that game in Shanghai against Arizona State, in my opinion. Um, I'll probably be uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be in a tough spot by that point in the day after going to the Montana-Weaver State game, but uh, I'll definitely be tuned into that. Um, probably have some fun tweets at the very least. Uh, I think that that's everything. If you guys want to sign up, uh, for a membership at DNVR, highly recommend it. Definitely get in before the prices change. Um, use the promo code Hank. You get a free shirt. Uh, great deal. You get to read my story about Ralphie. I've got more stuff on Davion Taylor coming for the website, all sorts of different things. Um, and you also get the exclusive right to comment on this podcast, have it read on uh, Friday's show. If you sign up tonight, leave a comment and, uh, I'll talk to you then. I'll talk to you on Friday from Montana, from, I don't know, might run back up to that journalism school and use all their super fancy equipment instead of the stuff that, 
I had to pull out of my backpack at the airport. Um, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to find myself a coffee, too. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. Okay, so I just stopped recording and opened Twitter, and somebody said the way I say the word bagel is amazing. I'm not really sure if I say it weird. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, like, self-conscious. I'm not sure. Can you, like, explain how I'm saying bag bagel bagel wrong? I don't know. Uh, I'm actually gone now. Bye. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.